Welcome to another episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast, where we focus on building better businesses. I believe in order to be the best leader that you can be, you must be willing to be the first follower and have a servant mentality when you're in a leadership position. If you want to be the best leader that you possibly can be, be sure to stay tuned and listen to industry leaders and hear how they built winning cultures in their own businesses. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Tactical Leadership. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Mario Knopfel. And before we begin, I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you want to create content that delivers, create that tactical content from your podcast, your YouTube channel, anything you're creating content from and create that content that breaks through the noise, head over to nightly.productions, find out how we can help you create that content. Mario, welcome to the show, my friend. What's up? How are you, Zach? Man, I am so excited about having you on this show. You have a fascinating background that kind of uh, intersects things that we've done that I've done in my background, but really it's kind of an interesting story that you have. And I'm really excited to share that, how you've done so many different things in the entrepreneur space. I'm really excited to highlight that. And I want to give the audience an opportunity to learn a little bit about just your background before we dive into that conversation. And you are the founder of the Athena Group of Companies. It's a conglomerate that operates in more than 40 countries. You started your first business with $300 in the bank. You bootstrapped it. I mean, speaking to the choir about how to start something out of nothing, essentially, where you've created unconventional marketing techniques, efficient logistical systems, global contractors, and you've been able to propel Fruity to a million in year one and over 10 million in year two. That 10X is incredible. But also beyond that, your background is in dance, where you your hobby is dancing bachata. You, you travel the world in that space. So like you have this passion kind of intertwined into your entrepreneurship that kind of highlights your journey across passion in business. And before we really kind of unravel that more, I want you to give, give the audience something about yourself that they might not know about you or something that's kind of unique about you and your journey. Yeah, man. Um... You can see me. I'm doing a lot of podcasts. You know, I have my own rooms, my own shows, and all that. But I, okay, I'll position it that way, and I think that would bring value to your audience because you told me who your audience was just earlier. Who you are in business doesn't have to be the same as who you are in real life. So, in real life, I'm an ISTP from the Maya Briggs personality test. In business, I'm an ESTP. And I've had my, my, so I get psychologists, I don't need them, but I need them. So I'm, I'm like kind of preventative to make sure I don't go down a dark path. So every once in a while, I might speak to a psychologist. And they went and they looked at through my Maya Briggs personality test just to explain to me who I am. You got to understand yourself before listening to anyone's advice to know what advice applies to you. And she says, like, your left hand and your right hand, you're born right-handed, but let's say you lose your right hand, you, you then have to train yourself to use your left hand. So in business, I was not who I am, who you, who you see right now. That's not me. I'm a very private person, very proud. Don't you know, share much. Don't, don't care about leading and all that stuff. That's very, very different. But I had to develop that extroverted leadership personality over many, many years to get to where I am today, to run the rooms and the, and the interviews that I run today. So that's one thing that I've never mentioned before is that two personalities, and that's very normal. It's actually pretty common in the entrepreneurship space that you develop a slightly different personality uh, to fit the requirements of whatever business you're launching. I think that's actually fascinating. It's funny and kind of ironic that you bring up the Meyer Briggs. I literally took it like two weeks ago, just to like reassess where I'm at. I take it every couple of years, just kind of see where I'm at. And 
it's scary how accurate that thing can be to that persona you're talking about, right? I cannot recommend it enough. Everyone loves to listen to advice. I'm sure you interview a lot of smart people. And there's a book called Tools of Titans that have all these different things that smart people do. The list goes on and on and on. How do you know what to listen to? What applies to you? You know, I was doing rooms on Clubhouse all the time at the biggest daily room. And there'll be so many people giving advice, such different advice. A lot of it was BS. And then when people ask me, like, Mario, what do we listen to? Like all these different people giving us different advice. My answer is first understand yourself and then try to understand what it is you're trying to achieve and then apply just-in-time learning to listen to the right thing at the right time. So understanding yourself allows you to take in the right information. That, that's what I depend on to wake me up every morning, momentum and growth. So everything around in my life is focused on bringing me momentum and growth. I travel the world dancing with Chata as one example of that. I'm going again in three weeks to Turkey. So momentum and growth is what drives me and brings me happiness. So I focus on that. And then the, what to learn is just-in-time learning. If I want to learn how to source products from China, I listen or read a book about sourcing products from China. I don't sit there reading a book about marketing that mentions five minutes about sourcing. That's why that's one, one of the things I don't like about you know, places like Clubhouse and stuff is when you go in a random room and just listen. It's good for entertainment. It's good for random knowledge, but it's not good for effective knowledge to, to know what to learn and when to learn it unless you start getting like specific rooms focused on very niche subjects. And it's interesting how you kind of correlated that where when I took it a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was a little bit different. It's been so many years that I've taken the Meyer Briggs. I came back this time as an ESTJ, which I don't consider myself as an extrovert. I'm very introverted where if I go to a business meeting, a networking meeting, usually if it's one of those like larger gatherings, I have to recharge the next day where I have to like shut down, kind of have my personal time where I feel like a very introvert extrovert when they start listing these things, they kind of highlight strengths and weaknesses attached to your personality traits. I had a client do this and had them take the Meyer Briggs. Hey, how's the best way that we can communicate? So I help you understand what you're trying to work through in your own business. And all they did was focus on weaknesses and they kind of took it as a negative where it's like, Oh man, this hits me perfectly. And then went into kind of a hole about, Oh, I'm really bad at this, this, and this. Have you seen that in your journey where you kind of get too negative about certain things or do you like double down on those strengths where it's like, this is what I'm really good at. And this is what I'm going to focus on because I know I'm really good at this piece. Okay. So my life was essentially um, a big Lego game. I literally spent all my life building who I am today, brick by brick from the way I speak to my voice, to the way I sit, I stand, I think everything. I had to build it up over many years. So to answer your question, initially, it was purely when I was developing, I was focusing on my weaknesses to improve as many as I can. But when it came to execution, I focused on my strength. In business, it's the most important thing to, to, to just get people around you that are better at doing what they do than you are. So I'm not, I don't, either I don't like doing something or I'm not good at it. So I don't like organizing. I don't like finance and accounting. So I get the smartest people to do those things in the company. I love leading a team. So I, I usually lead the team unless I'm, I'm doing other things. I love coming up with new business ideas because momentum and growth. See, it's links back. Leading a team, business ideas coming up and executing. Those are all dependent on that. It's all based on momentum and growth. So I do those things and I don't do the other, the other things in the back end that are just as important. So I focus on my weakness. I focus on, on doubling down on my strengths now. But in the early days, as I was developing myself, I would explore all my weaknesses, see which ones I should work on. 
and which was, I should say, hey, screw that. Like dancing was not my thing. Martial arts was not my thing, but I did both of them. So I would do things outside my comfort zone. And then a weakness becomes a strength. You know, dancing was not a strength. Now it's obviously a strength. So um, there are times where when you're developing, focusing on a weakness, if there's a good result on the other side, uh, it could make sense. Have you taken, like, obviously dance is a passion for you. Is that something that you've kind of integrated into business where you kind of bring that passion into what you're working on? Or is it one of those where that kind of highlights another piece that's like the work-life balance or the work balance attached to your passion? Or is it integrated? Like, how do you kind of balance that with everything else you're doing? Best example is, first answer your first question, did I bring business into dancing? Not yet, uh, just because I don't have time and I don't need to. But I've always thought about it. I thought about doing festivals, you know, in Bachata, you have like these massive festivals that people come and dance to like five, six in the morning and they do them in different countries. So now I go to festivals as an artist and I, I enjoy the good side of it without organizing the, 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 all the back end. But I thought about doing festivals. I thought about opening a dance school because I know I can kick ass if I do it. I do it in a very unique way, but I didn't. Now, in terms of your work-life balance, my work-life balance was essentially work because work got, has got different types of work. One of them is a stressful aspect where you're dealing with people, either you know, internal issues in the company, supplier issues, partner issues, you know, putting out fires. That's a stressful part of work. Then there's a good part of work, reading a book, chatting to the team, coming up with ideas. That's the fun, reading emails, reading reports. That's the fun part of work. So I would use that to balance the, the stressful part of work. I look at work-life balance as like a boxing match. As an entrepreneur, you'll get punched in the face time and time again. Mike Tyson talks about, you know, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. So you get punched in the face a lot, but then there's always breaks between different rounds. That break for me is, is dancing. So I wouldn't say you need to have something out of, outside of work to balance it out, but many do. Now, it, it could either be an aspect of work that's more calming and relaxing for the brain. It could be gaming. It could be spending time with your girlfriend. It could be going out partying and sleeping around. It could be dancing. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever gives you that exit. It's important because even if you don't need it, like initially I didn't need it. When I started needing dancing, when I got scammed, that's when dancing became a necessity. I got scammed. I lost a lot of money. It was a stressful period of time. I also had a personal emergency and was diagnosed with a tumor uh, in the brain. Later, we found out it wasn't cancerous. So all these things within, within two months, I needed an exit. That's three punches in the face. Um, and dancing was the exit. So if you don't have the exit and then the world feels like it's coming to an end in your business world, like things are going to shit, which will happen. You get punched time and time again. If you don't have an exit, dealing with it becomes a nightmare. If you have an exit, it becomes more digestible. And it's kind of interesting where you, as you're speaking through this, obviously you've had those struggles. This hasn't been necessarily the, the journey that we might see on Instagram, right? There have been those low lows, how would you kind of describe the way you've handled that? You yourself as a leader, I mean, you have the awareness piece where you're doing the Myers-Briggs, you're seeing these different pieces that you have to integrate into that balance. How do you describe yourself in that thoughtfulness as you're building toward all these organizations? I mean, you have 17 plus companies operating across 40 countries, so you have a huge team attached. How would you kind of explain that or describe that about yourself? So the question uh, is how to deal with the... Um, with those tough times and still be able to lead? So more, more along the lines of, as a leader, you, you, you've created all of this in your own mind where you, you've dealt with this yourself, these personal struggles that you focused on. 
how do you describe that? Would you, would you see that? How do you show up to your people? How do you describe that leadership capabilities that you've built attached to how you lead all these companies? How can you still lead when it feels like the world is falling apart around exactly, you? Exactly, exactly. When that happened, when I got the, you know, the personal emergency, the tumor diagnosis, the same day I got diagnosed with the tumor, or the second day when they tell me about surgery, and the scam. My uncle, who was my general manager uh, in Fruity, Australia, one of my companies in Australia, goes to me, he's, like, he's never asked me that question. We jump on a daily call, at least we did back then. And he's like, Mario, how do you do this? How do you wake up every day? And still have that same energy, strategizing, planning. It was an interesting question. My answer was pretty simple. I'm like, what choice do I have? And I meant it. I'm like, what other options do I have? And I'm dealing with that shit. What logical options are they? Sitting in bed crying is not a logical option. Doing nothing is not a logical option. Doing the thing that's, that, that could move me forward and bring me momentum and growth and the thing I enjoy is the only option. So for me, is is, is a genuine uh, quote, a genuine answer is what other option do I have? Now, for someone listening to this, they're like, all right, well, well, how does that apply to me? Read the book, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Incredible book, very short book. And it talks about having a stoic mindset, putting things into perspective. I've, I've Obviously, a lot of people went through a tough time during COVID, pre-COVID. I've given that book to people more than anything. And whenever someone asks for a book to recommend, that's the first book. Not an entrepreneurship book, a book about how to deal with punches to the face, how to deal when you feel like the world is coming to an end. I've had one of my companies get screwed by a supplier less than a year later, the scam that I mentioned, losing millions, almost going bankrupt with that company, and then the tumor, and then the personal emergency. Um, on Clubhouse, you know, I was the biggest guy on Clubhouse. I had my account suspended for no good reason, very unfair. So there's all these punches to the face. Um, the, a stoic mindset just makes it a lot easier to take uh, those punches. I love that because in the entrepreneur space, you have to have resilience attached to what you're doing because you're going to see these. I mean, you're not going to see them, unfortunately. You're going to have these obstacles that hit you out of nowhere like you're talking about. I mean, I'm sure you weren't expecting the tumor in your brain or a personal emergency that happens like these things that were clubhouse. I mean, that's huge, right? To have a social media platform where you're just owning it shut down like that. It's one of those that we, we don't necessarily see them coming, but you have to learn how to pivot away from that, right? You have to learn how to pivot and turn it into the next step. How have you maintained that? How have you maintained that motivation? Because a lot of people just fold, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are like, oh, well, it wasn't meant to be done. How have you maintained that? I know it's not a, you, what other option do you have, but like, there's got to be something, a driving factor in your mind. Like what's your why? What, what drives you to keep that motivation day in and day out? Momentum and growth. That brings me momentum. Now, it gets tiring. Like two days ago, yesterday or two days ago, I was just telling my team, man, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. Like now I'm on another platform called BitCloud, and I'm one of the fastest growing people on there, doing really, really well. But there's always obstacles. There's always either people trying to bring you down, people competing with you in silly ways. And I'm just, I just look at it, I'm like, do, do I really need to? By next week, I'll be accepting the position of a CEO of a public investor fund getting a really good package and, and getting shares in the company as one of the three partners. Pretty comfortable. I got companies doing really, really well. My personal brand is nice, stable. I've got my community. Do I really need that drama? Do I really need to put myself in places where I get punched again? But then this drive comes in by itself. I'm like, screw this. You know, I'm going to compete. I'm going to win. I'm not going to give up. Um, so the drive is there because, I, again, momentum and growth. And then I'm also an analytical person, very, very logical. 
So it, it goes back to what I said earlier. All else being equal, this is what happened. These are the options that I can take. Option A, B, C, D. Which one's the right one? That's it. And there's only one option for me, just moving forward. Because all other options make less sense. It's kind of interesting how you break that down. So many people are emotional about stuff, especially business. When you start a business, you you have so much like of yourself invested. There's so much of yourself you're putting out there. And a lot of people don't do it because of fear of that judgment, right? But when you break it down in that logical sense, it only, you know, we can be logical and not emotional about it. And you can kind of be, it keeps like an objectivity about the decision-making process, essentially. No, man, I still deal, deal with the emotions. Like I still, I don't like drama. I hate drama. Like I stay away from that. If you see my life, I don't have many friends because I just, I, I just don't, I don't want to. I'm very focused. I have my small inner circle. I have my team. And um, that keeps me away from drama completely. But then drama will come to you in business. There'll be a competitor being sneaky. There'll be someone trying to bring you down. There'll, be, there'll always be something, some rumor. You know, when I was blowing up on Clubhouse, there were all these rumors flying around about me. And they still happen, probably happen again on BitCloud. So when you're moving fast, when you're, when you're ruffling some, rattling, what is it, rattling some feathers or whatever, rustling some feathers, uh, some of those, so those, those, <laughs> Those competitors will, 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 will like, you know, get you back because they feel like someone, hey, someone's growing. And people will see that. People will see people around them trying to bring them down. I hate that. And it gets me emotionally. It does get me emotionally. And that's where having, being in a different space helps a lot. When I went off Clubhouse, it was one of the worst things for me. With everything I mentioned, it's one of the worst because it literally stopped my momentum. I didn't have the platform anymore to do what I'm doing, to compete, to deal with the hurdles. It was just shut down. So momentum and growth, was completely halted. That sucks, knowing me as a person, uh, what my personality is. So a couple of weeks, my productivity dropped. I felt like shit, etc. And then I went to a festival, a dancing festival. I had an exit. Because when you're so deep into one thing, small things there, you can't put them into perspective anymore. Like I didn't put in my, I didn't put into perspective that, hey, if Clubhouse went away, I still have all these other platforms I could use. I still have my businesses doing really well. I still have my lifestyle dancing bachata. So exiting from going being too deep into your business allows you to better deal with hurdles. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that, man, because it's such a difficult thing because I'm, I'm very similar where that failure happens. Sometimes you start digging that hole in your head, right? And you keep going down that snowball effect where it's like, all I need is a win. And if you don't have that exit, like you're talking about, it's really hard to realize here are the wins where a lot of times I'll recognize like the, the things I'm dealing with today are the dreams I had a year ago. Right. And it's hard to remember like the success you've had because you're, you're in the trenches, essentially you're right there in it. So you don't realize how much success you've had across it. Right. The things that happen, and there's a quote that I have it written down somewhere. The things you're experiencing today are because of the efforts you did three, six, 12 months, 24 months ago. Planting those seeds now, you'll get the results later on. Having that delayed gratification, I know we're digressing a bit, but it's so important what you said. Having that delayed gratification, you probably know about the marshmallow test, marshmallow experiment, and the kids giving them marshmallow, the kids that waited for the second marshmallow instead of eating the first one were more successful in life because they could delay gratification based on that study. So it's hard to do and it's difficult to do. 
because you don't know which seeds will, will, will was it sow? I don't know if that's the right term, will blossom. So you're planting all these seeds and the more seeds you plant, the more likely some will blossom. Like the position of CEO, I got it because there's a seed I planted three years ago and, and you kind know, of watered it down over the, those three years. We worked a few things together and then I got that offer, which is incredible where we partner in the, on, that, on that fund. Um, the clubhouse, it started with me personal branding a year ago when I got scammed. Then I got the skills of being able to speak well, to build a personal brand. So I'm planting a lot of seeds, but it's difficult waiting for those seeds to become beautiful plants. It, it really is because it's not, what's funny is like, uh, especially um, the way we were connected. I mean, it's, it's one of those, I heard your story and I'm like, man, it's such a perfect outline of how many people see that quote unquote overnight success, but it's been what, 10, 20 years of work where all of a sudden something hits hard like clubhouse for you, but then it goes right back down and now you're rebuilding over. People don't really see that like behind the scenes effort that like, I mean, we bust our butt day in, day out, right? There is overnight success, but it's very, very rare and it's dependent on luck, which plays a role in business, but it's outside your control. So if you depend on luck, you're losing control of it and you're, you know, you're just taking a massive gamble. Um, in most cases, no, it's not an overnight success. In most cases, it's just all those seeds planting and then you're lucky if one of those seeds gets enough sunlight, enough water to come out and, and gets you a return. The more seeds you plant and the more you take care of those seeds, the more opportunities that are going to you know, be monetized. It's that simple. The luckier you are. So let's say you're in a canopy in a forest in, the, in the Latin America. You know, whatever, five or less than 5% of the plants actually come out to be trees because all the plants are fighting together and some don't get enough sunlight, some don't get water because it's like a canopy. All the water and the sunlight doesn't go through. So if the seed is in the wrong spot, it's not going to get enough water or sun. So even when you're planting all those seeds, there's things outside your control. Did you plant it in the right place? Is it going to take, you know, get enough sunlight or is another plant going to cover it up and grow quicker? In business, you're going to try all these different ideas. Which ones are going to work? Which ones are going to, are going to get you results? So have different metrics. Try these different things. Throw these different pebbles like Jim Collins talks about. And when one of those pebble hits, when you get that one cannonball that hits the target, just double the fuck down. Go all the way. Make the most out of it because it's really, 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 really hard to get a pebble to hit. But when you're onto something, go all out. Yeah, because as soon as you break that focus, right, and you don't hit that all the way hard, like it kind of is one of those, if you give 50% effort, you're going to get 50% result, right? And it sounds like you, one of those things you've learned across your journey is that you've found a way to keep that motivation where that's such a difficult piece. But you mentioned a resource earlier, The Obstacle is the Way. And it sounds like a great book I have it written down and is the next one to add to my list. But I imagine there's been a coach, a mentor, other resources in your life that have helped shape this mindset for you. Can you share with us some of those things that have really highlighted where you're at now? Yeah, so one of my mistakes was not having a mentor, uh, was just being very private and not seeking help from others. That was one of my mistakes. Now, how did I fix that? This became my mentor. Right now, people are listening to this interview and to other interviews that you have. That's mentorship. That's having many different mentors. Now, they don't know you. They're not helping you. But most of the problems you're facing, thousands of other people are facing. So find that information and learn it from the right people. Find the right mentor as well. Someone who's self-aware and humble. Because a mentor that's not self-aware or humble 
will either give you wrong advice or if they're, they're not humble, they'll just be doubling down like crazy on wrong advice because they have a big ego. So find a mentor that knows what the hell they're talking about, but they're humble and self-aware, more important than anything. Even if they haven't achieved success, it's better if they, if they have. But even if they haven't, if they're self-aware and, and, uh, and don't have an ego, they're humble, they won't give you advice just for the sake of pretending to be, to be a, a genius, or they won't double down on wrong advice because they have an ego in the way, or they won't give you advice that they don't understand. So look for that type of mentor. I did not do that, but eventually, you know, podcasts and books became my mentor. And um, for now, I still don't have a personal mentor, but I just learn from different people. And I like learning from different people, man, because it just gives you a different perspective. But I'm very careful what information I bring in here. I'm very protective of this. Rubbish in, rubbish out. So I'm very protective of that I don't get rubbish in com- uh, coming into my, uh, into my way of thinking. And a big part of it, even though you said you don't have a personal mentor necessarily, but you look at even the connections you had at Clubhouse, the connections you have across all your businesses, you were connected some, to some brilliant people. Bringing them into your circle, bringing them into your network, is that one way you've been able to learn kind of as you've grown, like watching and seeing and applying it to your own journey? Yeah, so let's, let's use an example of Ty Lopez, for example. All right, so Ty is someone that, um, now ignore all the hate and the courses and the coaching and, and the guru and the Lamborghinis and the girls, I don't care. As a way of thinking. So I, I listen to his books. He, I, the, the, what I like from Ty is when he summarizes books because he summarizes them in a really good way. So I would listen to those summary, book summaries back before meeting him. And then we met to potentially invest together. Nothing came out of it. And then he started jumping into my room on Clubhouse. And we'd have those chats for like two, three hours with thousands and thousands of people listening a day. And then we obviously chat off the platform as well. So I had that personal relationship with him where I could actually ask him questions that I had on my mind. Is it better to ask him those questions directly? Yes. Could I get those same answers from different sources? Yes, because other people have asked him the same questions. So in my, when I run my rooms and I do my shows, I'm very selfish. I ask things that apply to me. Because I know a lot of other people will apply to them as well. They'll learn from it. And the same apply, and the same happens to me. I can learn from what Ty and other people smarter than Ty, smarter than me, are teaching other people. So you don't have to have someone helping you personally, giving you advice for you. You can just listen to the right advice. And I'm a big believer in just-in-time learning, the, learning the right thing at the right time. Which is absolutely amazing if you can actually see that, right? Sometimes it's hard to actually see that, that nugget. Um, as we take it and learn it and apply it. Um, so having that foresight is absolutely amazing. And I'm really curious, as you've built all these businesses, as you've had this journey, obviously your momentum, right? You're, you're pushing, you're continually pushing forward. What is the legacy you're building that you're shaping that you want to leave on the world? I, I don't think about it because <laughs> I don't want to leave the world. I love life too much, man, to leave. Like I've got a whole biohacking team, they studied aging and how to delay aging. Like I hate that shit. So I don't, I don't want, if I had to think about a legacy, I don't care about a legacy as much as I should. I probably will more as time develops because it's too early for me. But I would say I'm, I'm very protective of my little circle. So I ignore what I can't control, whether it's politics or global warming or wars, all these things that I cannot control, or at least not yet, I cannot have an impact on, I ignore. I focus on my little circle, what I can impact, protecting them, ensuring they're okay. So my legacy, I'd rather just die in peace, knowing that the people around me are okay. If I had to die, which I know I will. So that's my, my uh, legacy is, hey, you know, I, I, uh, I died in peace, man. I think the biggest regret I used to have and the fear that I've had 
And there's a book about it that talks about the regrets of people on their deathbed. It was a sad, heartbreaking book. I can't remember the name. And it, it made me realize I think the most important thing is just dying without regrets. And I've lived my life till now doing that. Um, you know, working like crazy, building a business, building a personal brand, living a crazy life. And that allows me to, you know, close my eyes for the last time, knowing that, you know, there's not much I would have changed. Honestly, that's one of the best answers we've had to legacy because it's one of those that so many people are hesitant, right? They're so scared of failure. They're so scared to lose. They never do exactly what you're doing. So the fact that you're out there living the life you're living and really doubling down on that, I think is truly amazing. It's admirable because so many people are scared to make the decisions you're making. And I want to give the audience the opportunity. Obviously, you have an amazing story. You're doing some amazing things. What would be the best way for them to reach out to you, see more content that you're on, and really just kind of learn more about this journey that you've been on? Just Google my name. I don't have a special funnel for the team. I don't sell any courses or coach or anything like that. So if they Google my name, Mario Norfolk, N-A-W-F-A-L, and just reach out to me on any platform. I run all these different communities with my team. Um, a lot of people that, uh, that listen to me that want to join, ask questions, um, I, you know, tell them about new business opportunities we're launching, share ideas, give them marketing strategies. I have the world's biggest growth hacking agency, which is one of my companies. So we share all these different growth hacks. Um, it's a pretty cool community that I'm building. It's more for personal, not for legacy, but it just feels nice. Um, so if anyone wants to be a part of a community that's not, you know, that's just looking to help and, and work together, just Google my name and reach out. I absolutely love it, Mario. I appreciate you, man. And I really encourage everybody to come back this Friday. We're going to hear some more of these tactics that he's used across this journey and uh, really get some action steps on Tactical Friday. But Mario, for now, I appreciate your time. I appreciate the wisdom and the motivation that you've maintained across this journey, my friend. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast. And I hope you got a ton of value out of what we talked about today. I also want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Night Protection Services. If you're a leader in a small to mid-sized business that does 5 to $10 million a year in revenue and want to improve retention costs, which could actually add up to being twice your employee's salary, all through creating a safer work environment and saving up to 25% in insurance costs, be sure to visit nightprotectionllc.com.